The examples in the Old Testament are given to us for our benefit for admonitions. Today's example is from Joshua chapter 7. But first we go back to Joshua chapter 6. Because what had happened in Joshua chapter 6, they'd had a great victory. They had defeated Jericho. And it was a great victory. Now they were faced with a much smaller foe, which was the city of Ai, A-I. And they didn't think that would be any problem whatsoever after this great victory they'd had at Jericho. So some of the men evaluated I, and they said, you don't need to send more than about 3,000 men for this battle because it's nothing like Jericho. So in verse 4 of Joshua chapter 7, there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men, and they fled before the men of Ai. They instantly fled. They were defeated. The nation of Israel, the children of Israel, were defeated by this small country. How could this happen? And of course, Joshua was distraught over this defeat. To be defeated as a child of God is a terrible thing. There is a scripture in, I believe, Psalm 78, where it said the children of Ephraim went up to battle fully armed and turned their backs on the battle and fled. It's just a terrible thing when a person of God is defeated by the world. It just shouldn't happen. First John 4, 4, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So Joshua is going to go to God to say, what happened? Verse 6, And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. He and the elders of Israel And they put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. We can see how badly Joshua's faith was affected by this defeat. And defeat does affect faith. You really have to be restored by God if you've had such an experience. And Joshua said, O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? This is a terrible failure. And yet, we know from Joshua chapter 1 that God sent Joshua in to lead the people in these battles to overcome the people, to destroy the people, to possess the land 
which he had promised to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, 400 years earlier. Joshua had been in the presence of Moses. He had been raised up specifically to do this job. And Joshua said, For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of this, and shall cut off our name off the earth, and what wilt thou do unto thy great name? It would be a terrible thing to be defeated as a child of God, to be defeated in a problem by the world. This would shame God himself. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. And Paul said to us in Romans eight thirty seven, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And John said, 1 John 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It is unthinkable to be defeated in a problem as children of God. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, Christ being the Word. I can do all things through that Word that is given to me from heaven that strengthens me. God makes a way for us in that which he has called us to do on this earth. I just can't picture anything other than victory through God in all things. So we seek God and we wait for his way, and then we go in his way in the issues of this life. God showed Joshua that there was one person among their army who had disobeyed the instruction at Jericho, and for this reason, the nation of Israel was defeated in the battle and I. Joshua chapter 7, verse 11. God ha- Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, says God, which I commanded them. For they have taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen, and dissembled also, and they have put it among their own stuff. Before they went into battle, there was an instruction specifically given to Joshua and the armies by God. And he said to them, before the battle of Jericho, Joshua chapter 6, verse 18, And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed. 
when ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. Forty thousand men went to battle at Jericho. And God gave them a great victory at Jericho. But one of these men saw something that tempted him and he took it for himself and hid it among his things. And because of that, the city of Ai overcame the children of Israel in the next battle. Now that has to be dealt with. And God explained it to them, beginning at verse 11. Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen, and dissembled also. And they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you, says God, any more, except you destroy the accursed from among you. Verse 13, Up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until ye take away the accursed thing from among you. In Joshua chapter 7, starting at verse 14, Joshua begins to take action on this subject. In the morning, therefore, ye shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof, and the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households. And the household which the Lord shall take shall come by man. And it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he hath, because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he hath wrought folly in Israel." There's going to be a very severe penalty in this situation. In the New Testament churches, we have a situation where doctrines are going on like, I'm okay, you're okay, everything's wonderful, there is no problem, all your sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus, you can do what you want to do. And that is a false doctrine because it says in Hebrews 10, If you sin willfully after the knowledge of the truth, there's no more sacrifice for your sins. For to do so, you would have to crucify Jesus afresh. It also speaks of that in Hebrews 6. Also, Peter spoke of it in 2 Peter chapter 2. And Peter even said you would have been better off never to have been born again. 
than to have had the truth and turned from it and gone back to the sins. So there's just a lot of things not being taught today in churches. The Old Testament, however, gives us a chance to see the heart of God, the nature of God, the requirement of God for justice when there is evil that has been done. Joshua chapter 7, verse 16. So Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the family of Judah, and he took the family and brought the family man by man, and he brought his household man by man, and Achan, A-C-H-A-N, the son of Carmi, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. And Joshua said to Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. Verse 20. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And thus and thus have I done. When I saw the spoils at Jericho, when I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonianish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold, 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and behold, it was hid in his tent and the silver under it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and unto all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. After they had killed Achan's people, they burned them with fire. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore the name of the place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. Some of you will shudder at this story and you'll think, well, this was too harsh. We're going to read four sections of scripture from the New Testament, which you probably have never heard before. We'll start with Hebrews chapter 10. 
Start at verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall ye be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despot unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now look at Hebrews chapter 6. This will probably greatly shock you. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 4. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs, meat, for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessings from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. The Apostle Peter said this in Second Peter chapter 2, start at verse 19. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. 
but it is happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Once we have been enlightened to the fact that what we were doing is a sin, to return to that sin, the scriptures say it would have been better if you had never been born again to do that. It's a terrible thing. It will bring great destruction upon you and your house. I have seen this happen twice in one of the churches I attended. Our own Bible teacher at our class was committing fornication. He was going to bars and picking up women and having sex with them, and he admitted the truth of this when I confronted him. And I was deeply grieved because in 1 Corinthians 5, Paul tells us when a brother in Christ is committing such things as fornication, don't even eat with him. You can't go to church with him. You can't go to his Bible class. Don't, have any, don't keep company with him. And I said to this man, oh, you know the scriptures as well as I do. I can't have anything to do with you anymore. And he said, that's right. He showed no shame at all over what he was doing. And our own pastor at that church, Robert Tilton, was caught extorting money from the body of Christ. And it was even an expose presented on ABC Primetime Live. And it ended up that that entire church building was completely destroyed in the end, and Tilton moved from Texas to Florida, and then he had a church group there, and he traded it for a hotel in Culver City, California. You can read about him in Wikipedia, Robert Tilton. It's terrible what was happening. But you crucify Jesus afresh when you deliberately go back into a sin knowing it's a sin. And there is no more sacrifice for sin when you do that. And that's what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 and 6. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened, if they shall fall away and return to their sins, it's impossible to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Hebrews chapter 6. So as we read these examples in the Old Testament, our fear of God should be increased. I've met church people who admitted they didn't have any fear of God. They never had a fear of God. I just couldn't hardly believe what I was hearing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Psalm 111 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the very beginning of wisdom. Why? Because you must have inside you the complete feeling and knowledge and understanding 
that God knows everything. And when he gives you a word, if you choose to go against that word, you bring upon yourself destruction. That is the fear of the Lord. You know inside you that God knows the best thing for you. And if you go against what he has said and go another way, you're making a choice that brings damnation upon you and all around you. So to disobey God has extremely fearful consequences. You have to crucify Jesus a second time, and that will not be done. He, paid, he was crucified once for our sins, and after that, the judgment. And to be enlightened to your sin, and then to willfully return to the sin, is to crucify Jesus afresh. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.